NASCAR. Mm. Will you give us a good Will Smith style welcome to Earth? Welcome to Earth, Emmer Effers. <laughs> I don't know why I had to bleep out the mother part of that. That's a great question. <laughs> you're you're listening to ID Four Minutes at a Time, the only podcast dedicated to analyzing, scrutinizing, and celebrating the 1996 Roland Emmerich masterpiece, Independence Day. Four minutes. At a time, I am Kenny Madison, one of your hosts. Along with me are my wonderful, exquisite, dare I say, handsome, beautiful, and gorgeous co-hosts, Lulu Nagel, Tyler Bryce. And today joining us is someone that is just potentially one of the most delightful people that walk the face of the planet. Uh, she is an actor, a comedian, a uh, outrageously talented person and dare i say no don't say it a raconteur Ooh, a raconteur a member of the 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 super group the raconteurs with jack uh, uh, white and others yes. your harmonies are incredible <laughs> yeah that's me i did it hi thank you so much for having me well you've got to give your name because i gave my name and then lulu gave oh. her name oh, and then okay, tyler gotcha. gave his name yeah. And so you give your name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing: is giving some, giving somebody your name gives gives them power over you. That's why the, that's why Rumpelstiltskin exists, and the fact that we all say his name on our lips gives him so little power that he can no longer destroy the earth. Here's here's the thing: is I still have that potential. Hmm. But my name is Scarlett Alexander. Okay, welcome <laughs> to the show, Scarlett. Thank you so much for joining us to chat. Cat's reference going into why you weren't going to give your name is you have a name that you hold dear that yeah. you don't share oh, with anyone else. I love cats so much. Have you guys seen cats? Lulu, have you seen cats? Nope. We need to get together and watch cats sometime, Lulu. Yeah, but the butthole version. The movie? Yes. Well, I think at least one butthole survived into the final cut. And his name was Idris Elba. Uh, don't talk about, don't talk about McCavity like that, Tyler. He is, Oh, I love Idris. His career makes no sense. His career <laughs> makes absolutely no sense. But something that makes a little bit more sense are minutes 20 to 24 of Independence Day. This four minutes starts with a shaking beer and ends on Bill Pullman, not Bill Paxton, looking at the alien ship over the White House. Now, just to give a little bit of preamble and some predictions as to what we think might occur, because we're about to watch those four minutes. Uh, I'm going to read Lulu's predictions as predicted on the last episode. Lulu, here's what you predicted what's going to happen. We have widespread panic in the streets. Goldblum will make a discovery. <laughs> a very important U.S. icon will be destroyed to heighten the danger. And Randy Quaid will have a failure. He'll crash his truck into... And I'm using your wording here, something. I feel like this movie hasn't even started yet. The movie has not even started yet. That's correct. This has only been 20 minutes of preamble. We technically haven't even, we've seen, we've seen suggestions of alien ships, but we haven't necessarily even seen an alien ship outright. It might not even be an alien ship, Lulu. <gasps> what? Yeah, it's SpaceX. SpaceX? Yeah, it's SpaceX. It's it's our own space program. Who's come from space. Our exes are in space now. SpaceX, not SpaceX. They're no longer in Texas. 
Very oh, my exes live in a giant cube in the space. <laughs> no, I think that's that's the Borg, Tyler. Oh, you're right. Yes. Do they like it? Do they like living with each other? Or do they make good roommates? No. <laughs> so back to the movie. Back to the movie. <laughs> Uh, Tyler, I have a bad memory. What do we usually do before uh, we so, watch those four minutes? Oftentimes, at this point, we would ask uh, our guest, uh, in this case, Scarface. So, Scarlett, <laughs> if you could, uh, what's your history with this movie? Um, Kenny and I, of course, old hat with the movie. Uh, Lulu, of course, has no memory of seeing this movie before. How about you? I have seen this movie before. And is it, uh, is it a great movie? Is it a bad movie? How, how do you feel about the movie? How do I feel about it? Let's see. I, to be honest, I haven't watched it in quite some time. Um, I have very fond glimmers of it, I would say. I'm, I'm somebody who I just generally like don't have that good of a memory, uh, like across the board. Like I'll just remember the most random things. One of the things that makes me not a great actress, but a great improviser is I just forget everything. <laughs> um and uh i do remember there, so so uh i remember a lot of will smith in here because i really like fresh prince of bel-air and uh growing up and i like him as a hotsy toxy young little little thing um i was five when this movie came out it was 96 yeah 96 so i did, i don't think i watched it until i was like until like five years after that until i was like 10 or so um, but I do remember watching it like with my family as well and uh, them just being there. You know, my dad's delighted at things like this. He's, he's definitely like an action-y, like America kind of, kind of uh, movie goer. So anything that has to do with action, America's, that's it. That's all, that's all he requires. Action in America. What are, what are some of your dad's favorite movies? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> American action movies. <laughs> I don't know. We've we've got a we've got a good we've got a good um, relationship now, uh, just because like we we keep it, we keep our conversations like our yearly conversations to a minimum, and that's how I love him the most. Small small doses, small doses. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, of course Jeff Goldblum, who actually I didn't really find attractive until very recently. Mm-hmm. um and it really only dawned on me i think like when so i'm 29 years old i don't think that the the daddy like sort of like like concepts really started to enter my brain until like pretty recently mm-hmm. um and so i'm just like jeff goldblum there mm-hmm. we go as of before uh scarlet was like uh-uh, i don't i don't need that <laughs> <laughs> He's like melted butter. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't think that we have explicitly stated this because we have stated many times that Goldblum zaddy. Goldblum is very sexy, but Goldblum just keeps getting better with age. He keeps getting more and more attractive as he gets older, which is exquisite. It really is. What a gift. It's a gift. A genetic gift. (laughs) That we all hope to receive. Yeah. So that's, I would say, that's my general impression and experiences. Again, like there are certain scenes that just like stuck out in my mind. So when Kenny asked me to do this, I was like, yeah, well, this is the one that sticks out in my mind the most. 
Oh, you know what? What? I do remember the first time I watched this movie. Hey. Sorry, again, like my memory takes a little bit. Um, Thanksgiving, 2000, Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. That's so specific. Okay, well, because the reason why I remember this. Because you watched it in the White House. Right? <laughs> yeah, I was in the White in House. In the year 2000. <laughs> um. Well, okay, so my, my parents took us up to Washington, D.C. for uh, Thanksgiving. It was, like, me and my sister, and my sister, who's, like, a little bit of a jerk as well. So, it's, <laughs> like, that's, like, she tortured me. Hope she tunes in. <laughs> no, she's great. I love her. She's my best friend now. But we go up to Washington, D.C., and, like, we have, like, a cute little day at the zoo and whatever. And then that night, we're like, cool, what are we doing for Thanksgiving dinner? And they're like, oh, yeah, we're going out. And we're like, yeah, let's go. They're like, no, no, no we we're going out you're staying in the hotel room uh, like you can order like pizza i guess <laughs> so, hey, how old were you i was 10 my sister was okay. i guess 13 um maybe i was more like nine i was like I nine ten guess that's fine <laughs> so my parents just like have a night on the town while we're in a hotel room eating pizza we're like well let's just find like a movie to watch on the on the you know uh, hotel TV, and we watch Independence Day, and I remember that too because I was just like, "Wait, that's where we are. What if we blow up?" Oh my gosh! <laughs> Did it scare you? <laughs> no, I think I was fine with it at that point. Oh, good. That's I was like, good. "Yeah, eh, it's fine." Um, I had parents like that too, man. They left me in Lafayette, Louisiana, at a roller skating rink with some older boy what and went off to party yes with their it was, was your new family then no. <laughs> and he got kicked out of the roller rink and so then i had to follow and we sat on the front steps of this roller rink for hours it was before cell phones because i'm older and they were out on a boat somewhere and they finally came back and got us <laughs> oh, I they would be you. in jail for three years now if they did that but in our age group that's just that's strong parenting I left them with somebody, so therefore it's okay. At a kid place where the pedophiles hang out. Yes. Anyway, I'm glad that you were safe in your hotel room, eating pizza, and watching a destructive movie about the town you were currently in alone without your parents. <laughs> yeah. No, it was fun. I, I Just as a tiny, tiny, hey, that's interesting. Because we talked about cats earlier, I saw cats in 1986 in Washington, D.C. I'm just saying... Uh -huh. Uh, oh. Yeah, that seems huh. to be a town that introduces people <laughs> to media. <laughs> yes, I very... I went to a museum exhibit with all of the props from Star Wars in 1999 in Washington D.C. Oh my goodness, Lulu, have you ever been to Washington D.C.? Well, specifically, have you ever consumed media in Washington D.C.? <laughs> I went to the Smithsonian Institute in 1985 on my eighth grade field trip, and we watched some films there about historical figures. Okay, I have a, a really brief story about going on a field trip and uh, going to consume media because this is totally worth it. Okay, awesome. I, when I was a senior in high school, we went to uh, we went to a speech tournament in San Antonio, and there was an ice storm, and so we couldn't drive back to Dallas. Uh, it wasn't oh. in San Antonio. It was in Dallas. So uh, anyway, uh, they took us to the Alamo and then they took us to see 
the, from the IMAX across the street, the Alamo, the cost of freedom. And oh sitting gosh. next to me was my friend Mimi McGreal. And Mimi was from New York, which means that she had not taken Texas history. So we get to the final uh, 10 minutes of the Alamo, and it's a rout, right? Uh, the place gets overrun, and everyone dies. And my friend Mimi, as it's leading into that, turns to me, and she goes, you mean we lost the Alamo? Oh. And I'm like, yeah, just watch the, watch the, oh. watch the giant people on the screen explain to you. But yeah, it's yeah, still standing the right there across the street. I mean, maybe we didn't lose it. And so afterwards, she ended up saying, I always thought that it was a rallying cry to remember our victory at the Alamo. I didn't know. And mm. I, yeah, anyway. Yay for San Antonio. Poor girl. I mean, uh, um, uh, there, there aren't a whole lot of battles that we lost that we celebrate in general. Right. Um, or that are even remembered. But the fact is, is that we said remember the Alamo, made us remember the Alamo. But other, if they didn't have a fun catchphrase, like, would we have remembered it? Maybe, Scarlett, this is your new uh, way of helping you remember things. <laughs> remember the blah, remember the blah. <laughs> remember to download Audacity. Remember to download Audacity. Remember, remember to bring your headphones that works. I mean, Lulu. <laughs> Great. So <laughs> that's going to be, that's going to get bleeped. Yeah, it's going to get bleeped. I can't believe your language, Lulu. Unreal. <laughs> so vulgar. Speaking of rallying cries to help us remember things, perhaps it's time for us to rally around these four minutes of Independence Day and remember this movie so fondly. What do you say, folks? Let's do it. Incredible transition. Amazing. Let's do it. Thank you. I'm a master of segues. Not the vehicle, just podcasting. <laughs> So we're going to watch those four minutes and we'll be right back after this sound cue. Oh, now what do we do? That was it? That was, that was all of it? That was four minutes of Independence Day. Oh. That's four minutes. There was so yes. little dialogue. Yeah, it's it's exquisite. <laughs> I love it. I love the way because I we just I I had the idea of just breaking this movie up four minutes at a time, just because of ID four. What's ID four? That's the short name for this movie on all the marketing materials. It was Independence Day and then ID four. Okay. Uh, because Independence Day is on July. <gasps> fourth uh, ha, ha, ha. it's not the fourth in the film franchise i just want you to know that's what i thought at first yeah that was a journey that we went <laughs> she does remember seeing id one through three yeah. but does not remember id four. <laughs> which those films are just far less eventful it's just like people standing in line to get black cats have you ever seen the 2016 film independence day like as an independent but plural of that day that's a movie? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it like Baby's Day Out? Um, I have no idea. I was trying to uh, to IMDb Independence Day and just terribly misspelled it, and apparently that exists. Wow. It's just a member of the Green Party getting into Baby's Day Out style shenanigans. It says... It... And just walking off the construction beam, then, <laughs> and then also walking onto another construction beam that just happens to be getting up. Uh, well, the description of this movie says aliens invade Earth and give humans a choice to immigrate to a new planet or be killed. But most of humanity gives 
in to the demands, the president of the United States and a rogue militia fight back to expose the aliens' true plans. I bet that's the asylum version of Independence Day because I think Independence Day Resurgence came out in 2016. Are you are you guys familiar with Asylum Mockbusters? What is that? No. Tyler? The Asylum Channel. I have no idea what Asylum Mockbusters is. Sure. So Asylum is a low-budget filmmaking company yeah. in the style of Roger Corman back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Just what, what they do, I believe they came to prominence at the tail end of Blockbuster's dominance. And what they would do is make block or mockbusters which they would make movies in the style of big blockbuster movies that were coming out at around the same time so whenever dumb folks would go into a blockbuster they would go oh shoot i didn't know independence day was already on dvd yeah i'll rent oh, it. like block blister from the amanda show oh my goodness yes exactly like block blister. it's block blister <laughs> The the one that I remember most clearly, I think the one that was the clearest for me growing up was whenever Michael Bay's Transformers came out. At the same time, I believe Asylum released another movie called Transmorphers, which you oh, can go funny. rent. Also, there is Atlantic Rim. So this is like a whole thing. It's a whole genre. Yeah. Most definite. Wow. I'm really surprised there's not a specific rim. <laughs> is that a sex thing? Uh, specific rim. Oh, that should be bleeped. I am so sorry, Lulu. So sorry. But if you're going to do it, be specific. Don't just randomly. Yeah. Not just, just any rim. Uh, not just. Yeah, any. you don't want to just do a rim on a hip or something. Yeah. yeah. I do see a Transmorphers here, and they also did Robot Wars, <laughs> the Transmorphers, and they produced Sharknado. That track. Films. They that created tracks. the Sharknado films. Oh, that makes sense. All right. Well, yeah. Cause so yes. also for context, what I said earlier, Block Blister was a recurring sketch on the Amanda show, uh, which was a spinoff of the yes. original All That, where it would, there was a, uh, uh, they would, so it's basically the same sort of idea is like they would have like movies, like not the nutty professor, the, uh, the stupid professor or whatever. And it would just be the, the people, the family that owned that store would just like, have gone in front of a green screen and be like, here I am, the stupid professor. Do, 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 do. It's like, this isn't it. Anyway, it's a sketch that holds up over time so well. There was a movie that came out several years ago that had uh, people making homage versions of movies, and I can't remember. Be Kind Rewind. That was the name of the movie in it. Uh, and do you remember what they called it when they did these things? Did they... Sweeting. They sweeted them. That's right. It's a fantastic movie. Highly recommend it. It, it. it created a whole genre of YouTube culture because people do low-budget remakes of things all the time, and it's kind of because of Be Kind Rewind. Is it Jack Black? Jack Black, Most Deaf, directed by Michelle Gondry. Uh, fun movie. Fun movie. You know what else is a fun movie? Independence Day. Not, <gasps> That's the one that yes. we're talking about. Not Independence Day. Independence Day. <laughs> so, Lulu, do you feel like uh, like Jeff Goldblum made the discovery that you were hoping that he was going to make? Well, he did make a discovery. He looked down at his ones and zeros on his dot matrix printed page and was like, oh. 
And I love that he physically was going against the stream of everyone else is coming down and he's going up and he's he's going to be independent in his thinking, critical thinking and problem solving skills and go up when everyone else is going down in order to help us defeat them at some point. Lulu, because a lot happened in this four minutes. This is probably mm-hmm. the most dense four minutes. Can you describe mm-hmm. what happened in this outrageously, stupendously dense four minutes? That doesn't yes. have a lot of dialogue. Yeah. No, it has lots of bitty, bitty bits of dialogue. We saw the Quaid man stand up with the earth shaking and you see recognition in his eyes and fear because you know he's been previously abducted. And his son, who is not Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yes. but a look-alike, yes. they all, like I predicted, they all leave their domiciles and go out into the open in panic to go look into the sky. And they don't show us what's in the sky until the very end. We see the shadow of the flower disc coming by, except now I think it's an Oreo cookie. <laughs> it has the imprints of an Oreo cookie. Coming through, the shadow overtaking the White House, overshadowing everything. But that comes a little later. We see Jeff Goldblum going against the flow. Uh, I don't know if you caught a cameo by David Bowie as the homeless man under the bridge. But he was there. What? Really? Not really David Bowie, but it looked like it could have been him. The man with all the white hair and the watery blue eyes. So it was Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> was it? Homeless man under the bridge that looks like yeah. David Bowie. I think but... he was like like pre like he was like Goblin King on the come up, you know? Yeah. What about the baby? <laughs> <laughs> and I love... like Sean Connery too. <laughs> what that looks nothing like David Bowie. What are you talking about? He does. He looks like um huh. What was the big movie David Bowie was in? Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Um, mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. That's that it. That was it. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Looks like that. I just looked like it to me. And then the policeman. I love the policeman who his job it is to direct traffic. Stops his car in the middle of an intersection, leaps out in front of everyone. All the cars rear end each other. A, an armored vehicle just takes him out as a another nod to. This phenomena happening happening in the sky will stymie our best of institutions and defenses and render them helpless and make them act absurdly. So more terror happening. And then Will Smith. We got him. Yeah. Big Will finally showed up. Big Will. This is his only moment in the movie. We never see him again after this. Yeah. yeah. They just comment that, hey, it's not even a, a level four earthquake. We go back to sleep. That's and they all that we need. and they sleep for the rest of the movie, and that's what got Will Smith first billing in this movie. Famous. Now, I have some questions. I have questions. Do any of you guys know about science? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of it. Do you know anything about aero, aerospace or aerodynamic space? Go on. Tell us more. Okay. Well, no, I'm just, I'm wondering if, like, if something in the sky has the ability to make the ground shake. Because I can, I can see it if they were, like, using some sort of, like, suspension, right, that would, like, blow shit around. But shit wasn't blowing around. Like, the earth was, was shaking and quaking. 
people are like, oh no, the earth is quaking, but there's something in the sky, which is the opposite of the earth. Mm. So I'm just wondering if there's like something within like aerospace dynamic science that I'm not getting, or this is just a silly fun movie thing that they were like, this would make it more terrifying. Well, they weren't breaking the sound barrier, which would shake the earth. They were going very slowly. Kenny? If I had to make a guess, and I do, uh-huh. because you asked, but not necessarily <laughs> specifically me, so I am forcing myself to make a guess. What if I just spent the rest of the podcast just justifying why I'm making a guess? Oh my um, Go on. If I had to make a guess, which I do, because I feel obligated to now make a guess, because uh-huh. I've now put so much pressure on myself to make a oh guess... And answer Scarlett's question. Kenny, yes. get on with it. They have to have some sort of propulsion that is keeping them up. Uh, okay. Yes, Tyler. I don't understand. Does this have something to do with science and her question? Yeah, well, let me make a guess regarding Scarlett's question, <sighs> because I think that I have to make a guess at this point. But the alien ship, at least, or rather the Oreo cookie with uh, flowers on the bottom, very much an Oreo cookie pattern. They have to have some sort of propulsion, so perhaps maybe we can justify that that is some sort of alternative propulsion that is propelling the alien ship to remain parallel with the ground, thereby shaking the ground at the same time. Because it also, okay, because it also doesn't make sense. The ship that big, to enter into an atmosphere that has a shit ton of, well, like gravity, some more gravity than most planets, right? Like... It is as much gravity as other planets this size. Okay, yeah. So it has an amount of gravity. This is a gigantic piece of metal in the sky. It is 15 miles across, yes. Wouldn't it just make more sense for them to hang out in space where it's like there is not gravity? (laughs) So we haven't even gotten into understanding the tactics or strategy of of our alien... Uh, invaders at this point. Now, Tyler, 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 yes. we don't know that they're aliens. You're right. <laughs> it could just You're be an right. attack of giant cookies. We could You're find right. out that this is just a giant Nabisco marketing campaign. That's right. <laughs> Enjoy new triple stuff. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Look at all that cream. 15 miles. Well, I'm just saying that cream could just be chilling out in space without having to, to have a weird propulsion system. <laughs> shake the earth they could just hang out and beam themselves down as strategies go though the whole we're going to remain ominously hanging out over these cities for uh, however long they decide to stay there and count on the alien civilization our civilization being alien to theirs having uh, having satellites for us to have the ability to used to be able to coordinate our, our attacks. What I'm saying is that these aliens are actually dumb uh, if they're aliens. Uh, so there's a lot about the aliens and the strategies that they use that are just... Well, dumb. Just make you say, really, there are better ways to have done this? Yeah. Well, maybe, you know, maybe if you have, like, a potentially alien brain, maybe it developed in a different way, like, where it's like they're really good at mechanics but really bad at tactical strategy. You know what I'm That's saying? Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm not both. I'm a pretty good writer. Pretty good at that. I'm really good at that. You know, what I'm really bad at remembering what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to call them cookie aliens from now on. 
Cookie Monsters. Cookie Monsters, yes. <laughs> Nefarious mm-hmm. Nabisco. Um, no, I lost it. <laughs> I think they're all about intimidation. Their strategy is to first wildly intimidate, cause panic and confusion within the systems and the people, and that maybe they have, maybe they have a tactic. Oh my God! It just occurred to me that those giant things—that they're cookies and they're and they're disobeying physics the way that we understand it—could be because of could be because of Fig Newton's laws. <gasps> oh my God! And I they don't... came through the Milky Way. I'm leaving. I'm leaving this pod. I'm leaving this Earth. I'm leaving this podcast, and then I'm leaving this Earth. <laughs> Certainly, on their way to Earth, they would have had to have passed Mars bars. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. Stop to have a drink of Milky Way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the question is, why are they doing all of this? Because what would you do for a Klondike? <laughs> what? What wouldn't you do? Going, get on a rocket ship, and I'm gonna go live on the moon pie. Wow. Uh, wow. In space, there is zero white chocolate bar gravity. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm trying to remember a joke, but uh, what you gonna call it? Oh my please. I'll pay you a hundred grand to stop it. You guys you guys are hitting these out of the park just like Babe Ruth. <laughs> Sorry, I was uh, just gonna say this line of conversation is truly, truly, truly not rageous. Oh, oh wow. What? So mm-hmm. let's talk Wait. about the giant looming snickerdoodles. Now let's talk about the thing that is bringing us so much almond joy. (laughs) We are between, between, and betwixt (laughs) subjects. I think 10 people just unsubscribe from this podcast. <laughs> That's everybody. That is everybody. That's all we had. <laughs> we're just, li- we're losing listeners by the mounds. Oh, God, no. Stop. I hate it. <laughs> okay, quit being a dum-dum. Let's get on with it. Okay, so these giant snickerdoodles are over cities, and we watch them. Uh, we watch them overshadow iconic things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watch them go over uh, the White House, uh, and they have placed themselves like centered on the White House. And we've watched them centered on uh, the Empire State Building, and in LA, they're centered on the Church of Scientology. They are over these. Are they really? Is that true? You know, they're uh, oh, God. Because that would be fucking great. In, in New York, it's the Empire State Building. In Washington, D.C., it's the White House. In Los Angeles, it's just like that one donut. Sh- it's Randy's Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Where Where's the Quaid family? New Mexico? I think they're in New Mexico. I think that they're in uh, California uh, or Nevada. They're they're in the desert uh, because the, the ship comes over them to make its way to L.A., Okay. So, yeah. What if, what what if the one in L.A. parked itself over the production of Independence Day? <laughs> that would have made a lot of sense. It's it's parking itself over the model that parks itself over the White House. 
I really, I think I heard Scarlett during that clip going, what's your dream? What's your dream? <laughs> Did I hear you saying that? No. Oh. That Appendence Day. Yes, I made it up then. I thought I heard you saying that. I was like, that's funny. What's your dream? It's from Pretty Woman when, what's I haven't your seen dream? that movie in ages, but we're going to do it three oh. minutes at a time. Okay. Go ahead and bring up the first clip. Here we go. He's like, it's, it starts and ends with the man in the street saying, uh, Hollywood, what's your dream? What's your dream? Oh, that is Yeah. Fun. No? Well, for those of you who know, you know. I wish, okay. I wish I was that cool to make that reference. It's a great movie, just like yes, Independence Day. Just, just like it. I think it's, it's exact. plot-wise, very similar. The yeah. Alien Ships is basically the same as Richard Gere closing that uh, necklace box on Julia Roberts' fingers. Yeah, it was all improvised. Just a whole bunch of nervous laughter. Like, what they don't, what you guys don't know that I know about this movie is that most of Independence Day is improvised. The aliens part, the aliens part, the potentially mm-hmm. alien part, all improvised. <gasps> I just realized something. Yes. All of our heroes go up instead of go down. Like. Uh, Jeff Goldblum goes up the stairs when everyone else goes down. And the president, everyone goes down in the bunker while he stays up in the White House. Lulu. Randy Quaid flies his airplane up while everyone stays down. Lulu. Come on. You're absolutely right, Lulu. Yeah. I just earned my pay. Others cower in fear, but not our heroes. Uh, except for Will Smith, who, like all heroes goes right back to sleep. Yeah, he laid right back down. Like all first build actors in major Hollywood blockbusters, he goes back to sleep whenever danger happens. So when the hero's journey, one of the things that happens <laughs> is they have to uh, deny their herodom, right? They have to, they have to uh, turn down the call to action that happens. And in this case, he does it by hitting the snooze button. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. What if Will Smith's arc in this movie is not him fighting the cookies, but it's him trying to just go back to sleep? Wake up. No. So his refusal to call, it's him waking up and then him negotiating Mm -hmm. uh, with the the gatekeeper is him just pressing the snooze button and then he just goes back to sleep. Because again, like I said, this is the only time that we see Will Smith in this movie. We're not going to see him past this. Uh-huh, so disappointing. Disappointing. Yeah, I, it's weird. I do feel like my personal hero's journey every single day is just waking up yes. and negotiating with my wife. Yes. Yes, lately. Yeah. Absolutely. Call to action's hard. But I, I like the way that we've broken up this podcast because we've been able to break it up into these nice little thematic chunks. It's almost like movies are constructed like four minutes at a time because basically this whole four minutes is people looking up into the sky and seeing cookies arrive uh which is exquisite it's it's Mm -hmm. so good and i'm it's so weird whenever you watch a movie four minutes at a time and then you break it down and you just realize that there's four minutes on screen where pretty much nothing is happening except for people reacting and yet you need that much time to establish the tension and the jeopardy of these giant cookies that are floating in the sky. Giving four minutes of just reaction time to everyone makes you so excited to see what's going to happen and see what's going to happen next. Because everyone is freaking out all over the United States and probably the northern desert 
that we saw at mm -hmm. Elock. I hope we get to go back there one day. One can only hope Elock. Well, so let's let's talk about the character introduction, by the way, that we got of Will Smith, because he is top build in the movie, right? He is apparently going to be in the movie. Uh, but what <laughs> have we found out about him in the in the couple of moments that we have here with him? Uh, Lulu, what do you what do you remember from what you just saw? Uh, personal that he is has a wife and a small boy. Private that his wife bosses him around. <laughs> and his profession, we don't know. They haven't they haven't told us anything about his profession. If we're doing our three P's, okay. He lives he lives in a house or a duplex or something like that. Uh, Skylar, are you familiar with the three P's of screenwriting? Uh, person, place. So when a when they do a character introduction, they're typically going to show us three different aspects of their life so that we get an idea of who somebody is. They're going to show us a private moment, a personal moment, and a professional moment for that person. And, okay. uh, and in general, uh, when you're being introduced to characters, you're going to see them do something private. You're going to watch them have a moment with somebody else and uh, so that you can see how they are in their personal lives with other people. And you're going to watch how they are as professionals. And so um, the, the introduction of uh, the president uh, at the beginning of this movie, Bill Paxton, uh, is really wonderful. No, it's Bill because Pullman. Pullman. It's, it's Bill Pullman. Uh, Pullman. I'm pretty sure Pullman. it's Bill Paxton. Pullman. Anyway, no, it's, it's Bill Pullman, Tyler, guaranteed. Pullman. 1,000%. You guys are pulmoning my leg. Okay, so uh, when when it when they introduce him, they like start off with him having a private moment with his daughter, and then a personal moment on the phone with his uh, with his wife, and then they show him uh, being beat up by Beat the Press, so that uh, or Meet the Press, so that so that they're getting um, so he's getting pummeled, and they talk about how he is as a president, and he's not what people wanted. Uh, he's uh, Tyler. It's yes. Bill Pullman, not Bill Pummeled. That's right, Bill Paxton. So um, when they introduced uh, David, which is uh, which is Mr. Dreamy, David, uh, in this movie, when they introduced him, we watch him having a private moment or a personal moment with his father, because during that moment they watch we watch him play chess with his father. So we're learning about his relationships, and he's even asked about how much longer are you going to wear the ring. So we're learning more about his personal relationship, and then we watch him. Uh, go into the office where everybody else is freaking out about the thing, and he's looking at the thing, trying to figure out what's going on with the binary code that's in the things. And then uh, on a private moment, we watch him recycle and say, hey, am I the only one here trying to save the world? In other words, we, we see those three moments in next to no time. Uh, so it's interesting that they chose to give us uh, the, the pilot I, oh, sorry, Lulu didn't mean to give that away. Uh, they they choose to what? introduce Will, Mills, Will Smith by showing a personal moment that's kind of private, and then we're done, right? So they kind of introduce him and then say, we don't need him now. If I may amend, because I think there is, I think there's two moments. We get the personal and we get the private moment. The personal moment is clearly his interaction with the kid and his interaction with Vivica A. Fox, who, fun fact, this is her first movie period oh wow. i learned that from the audio commentary because i i listened to it <laughs> <laughs> so the personal is that he's just kind of casual and his private moment is he's he thinks he's experiencing an earthquake and he goes back to sleep right it which, doesn't scare him yeah which tells me that he encounters danger 
so regularly. So whenever dangerous stuff happens, he's kind of chill in the face of adversity. Private. He doesn't experience that with Vivica. He experiences that solo. Nice. Dangerous is his middle name. That's I like it. That's an amazing amount to extrapolate from a less than what what like maybe like a three second moment. Yeah. And also that's one of the great things about this movie. This movie is not subtle at all. And also what is so great about it is that it establishes characters so quickly and clearly. You don't have to be subtle about defining your characters. You just have to find you just just let us know what their deal is as quickly as possible. So that way we know what their point of view is so we can start feeling with them in experiencing things the way that they experience things. Now, there's something that I need to talk to you guys about. Um, this is very serious. Scientology? No. No, this is way more important than that. that. And it's just how insanely hot Jeff Goldblum is in He's this scene. So oh. hot. Oh my god, like his like shirts unbuttoned, it's like windy. He's got these like cute little glasses on that has like the perfect like little like um what tortoise tortoise shell. Yeah. Like round glasses. Oh take me now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Feed me an Oreo cookie. I think that we've experienced a private moment uh, (gasps) with Scarlet and Lulu. Yes. And I'm I'm going to agree. Uh, Jeff mm-hmm. Goldblum, oh. on point. He's velvet. Lulu, if you have to put the Goldblum hotness scale on this for a minute chunk, where are we with Goldblum? Is he at a one, which is just not sexy at all, or is he at peak five right here? He's pushing four because he's heroic. He's yeah. smart. He's calm. Yeah. We're seeing chest hair with a gold chain. He's got the tortoiseshell glasses, like Scarlett said, and the hair, the beautiful dark hair. And we're counting on him. So, yeah, he's he's rising in the um, ardor, ardor scale. Ardor. ardor. Well, it's my understanding that the ardor score scale is actually like DEFCONs, where five is <laughs> everything is not Opposite. sexy and right. one is completely sexy. Yep. So are you saying that? That he's at Ardor 1 or Ardor 5 were not sexy. <laughs> Wait, you just flipped the scale. So he's yeah, pressing a 2. He's pressing or, a 2 then. You so could he's pressing a 2. So he can get sexier. But Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. There's DEFCON 2. And now there's also JeffCon 2. Because oh, JeffCon. JeffCon 2. Yes. Yes. Right now. Is this Jeff your Con. whole podcast? <laughs> it's just puns. This is our lives. It's our four whole minutes lives. at a time. Oh my mm-hmm. god! Let's try and stay away from too many puns. It might make the audience feel a little skittleish. Yeah, but no. they're, all, they're all at home snickering. <laughs> oh my god! It's time for predictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, uh, yeah, we've got JeffCon scale two. Uh, Lulu, your predictions is that there was going to be widespread panic in the streets. Guess what? There was. Goldblum made a discovery. Uh, no U.S. icons destroyed this time. No. However. But overshadowed. They are definitely overshadowed. Like, uh, one of the first things that we see is a shadow going over uh, 
Abe, right? Uh, over the Lincoln Memorial, we watch a shadow go over it and then the mall and then all the, all the uh, buildings in New York and LA. In other words, we've got a lot that gets overshadowed by these giant looming cookies. Lulu, what do you think is going to happen in minutes 24 through 28 of Independence Day? I think Quaid's going to get in his airplane and go investigate what happens, see if he can get kind of close. I think Will Smith is going to get woken up, not by an earthquake, because that's clearly too benign for him, but by a phone call from somebody who's mad at him for being late for work and he needs to come on in to the military defense place he works at. And we have to escalate the tension one more time. So somebody's got to die. <laughs> the The alien cookie is going to make a move. I, I think I predict this every time. It's going to make a move. And Jeff Goldblum is going to realize something, go back downstairs and no one will believe him, but it's, 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 it's a, a break, a small breakthrough in what this Oreo is doing. Uh, anything else before we call it an episode, folks? Oh, can I plug mine? Absolutely. Yes, you can plug yours. Yeah, I'm just gonna plug plug my. I also have a podcast. Woo! I also um, co-host a podcast. It is called Netflixmas. I co-host it with my dear friend Holly Cuomo, and we review. Um, uh, Christmas romance movies that come out on streaming platforms such as uh, Netflix. And we are releasing episodes weekly. In the month of December, we will be releasing them bi-weekly uh, just to get your, your double shot of Christmas romance movies. There's a lot of good ones coming out like The Princess Switch 2, Switched Again. Um, we've got Christmas Chronicles 2 coming out as well. Um, we just had a few that just dropped uh, like... Um, Chris, Operation Christmas Drop, and, and so they're all really, really dumb. Kenny guests on uh, one of these movies with his uh, other podcast, and it's a very, very fun episode. Um, so yeah, go ahead. We're on Netflix Misses on all of the screen platforms. Uh, yeah, just you can just Google Netflix Miss, and that's we're like the ones who took that name. Nobody else thought of that before us. <laughs> Netflix and then MAS, right? Yep, Netflix. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. That sounds like a really fun podcast. Eh, this is a very fun podcast. You guys, you guys got a good groove here. Oh, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I like it. This is going to inspire me to actually watch Independence Day in full. Yeah. Guess what? It's a good movie. Yeah. Oh, no, I have no doubt. <laughs> I had a fun time watching it when I was nine or 10 years old in, in Washington, D.C. Experience for my say, life. When he gets down to Jeff Con 1. You're going to really appreciate it. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Jeff Con we, scale. That's definitely going to be a thing. For yeah. The rest of the podcast, for sure. Jeff yeah. Con, too. In, uh, in the Netflix Miss podcast, we rate all of the kisses on a scale of a partridge in a pear tree to five golden rings. So I think it's an appropriate scale for this, oh. for this one. Can you please tell us one five gold ring kiss that you have identified recently? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. It's so weird because I feel like the best, the movies that are actually like the best quality don't have the best kisses. And sometimes only the worst qualities like actually have the best kisses. Um, oh my gosh, what was it? It was with Haley Duff. Ugh. Oh, Naughty and Nice. 
I think that was the hottest kiss because they're both super hot and they were like really into it. Detective John like, Naughty and Detective Sasha Nice. <laughs> no, they were the radio hosts. Oh, <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it's a bad movie, looks but like, a good bad. Looks like Lou is gonna get down to Jeff Con one later. Apparently, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you for being on. Uh, Tigray, Lulu, y'all have stuff to plug? I am doing comedy sports shows online uh, Saturday nights, 7.30. Uh, go to comedysports.austin.ca. Uh, you're watching it from your living room. Enjoyyourself.com. Or just Google it, and I'm sure you'll find Comedy Sports Austin. And if you don't, you'll find whatever comedy sports city you want to find because they're really funny and across the country and it's fun okay that's my plug and as per always lulu is absolutely nowhere no one go look for her period (laughs) you'll never find me (laughs) um really quickly sorry before before we exit do you guys always wear ears for this podcast what are you what are you talking about well i i this entire time i don't know if the audience knows this but this entire time we've all been wearing animal ears on our heads and i don't think any of us have mentioned it (gasps) what oh my gosh you're so funny i don't we we're all i don't i'm uh, pretty sure we're all different kinds of kitty cats or something i think what you're meaning to say is that we're all kinds of kit cats oh Oh, my god (laughs) thank you so much for listening to 84 minutes at a time as per always it ain't over till the fat lady sings